Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast, and in this episode, I have a special guest, somebody that I actually grew up with. Everybody, let me introduce y'all to uh, Sugar Ray. So what's up, brother? Yo, man, I mean, first and foremost, let's give thanks, man, to you, man, for, for, for providing this platform, for engaging various people, you know, on your platform, the Daniel Artest Podcast, formerly in the paint with Daniel Artest, you know, um, very powerful thing you've been doing, man. You've been consistent. You've been having necessary, you know, conversations around, particularly around sports, but that includes life. So um, I'm proud of you, man, and I'm honored to be here. And um, you yeah. know, we 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 quarantined. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Definitely, man. So how um how are you holding up, man, so far during this entire situation, mm-hmm. man? Um, I mean, I'm pretty great. You know, um, my life hasn't changed too much. Um. You know, I'm I'm pretty much uh you know entrepreneur, independent contractor, um you know for work you know predominantly revolving around uh, media, podcasting, interviewing, and community outreach. Um, so um the only thing that really changed for me personally, I was doing some work with the census. Um, and we're yeah. no longer able to go outside and do the work. However, you know because uh, I'm pretty good at what I do, um, we found another way for me to do it. Basically, working from home. Um, doing what I love, literally working from home, doing what I love to do, talk, talking to people about community engagement and how we build the community, getting money from the federal government. Um, so that's what I'm being paid to do. So that's that's pretty dope. You know, my children have already been homeschooled, you know, um, since the beginning of this school year. So they haven't had any real adjustments other than the fact that when going outside, they, they can't play in the playground. Like we're not allowing them to play in the playground. They go outside, ride the school, just go to the park, you know, but no playground time. So they're a little, you know, get a little frustrated at that, but other than that, man, there hasn't been too many adjustments um, for me personally. Um, but yeah, that's how I'm doing. Just definitely, um, definitely a little frustrated, man, with the way that we as a society have been handling this. You know, um, from the late response, right, to the uh, myself included, not really researching it early on months ago, right, thinking that it was just going to blow over, thinking that it was just not that serious. Um, to now that, you know, um, people are not taking it serious still and people are still outside, you know, um, not just outside, like walking around, they walk they outside playing sports, playing basketball, playing volleyball, you know, hanging out on the benches, smoking, drinking, lollygagging together. And it's like, yo, come on, man. Um, so, you know, I'm, again, I'm good personally, like on a, as it relates to my physical body and my home. Um, but, you know, always about how do we build community and definitely a little uh, frustrated. At the moment, yeah. But, but, yeah. Knowing that, but, but knowing that it literally like people doing that, it comes not because people don't care; is people are ignorant. People don't really understand, you know, how yeah. this is spread, and so it's just lack of education. Um, so I, I'm sure that if we would have been more educated growing up about this stuff, then the response would be different. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. That's where I'm at right now. How you doing, man, with this stuff? Oh, I'm good, man. You know, um. It's just, it's been it's been kind of tough because, like, um, I lost two people I, I've had acquaintances with um, over the past years, um, especially in the New York City basketball scene. Um, one one passed away from it on Thursday, and somebody I know in Indianapolis, you know, just over the years uh, when I used to you know pass through different circles or whatever, he passed away from it uh, yesterday. Damn, so, damn, damn, damn. you know, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough, you know, and I've, I've been telling people that, you know, social media is not a hoax. And like, I always question a lot of people when they're posting stuff about it. I'm always questioning people like, like, where you get this information from? Like, are you just reading memes or something like that? Or, or are you really doing your research? Because it's serious. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially with people that have a huge following, you know what I mean? I, you got, you got, you know, 
they got to step in and do, I always tell people like to have a big following to step in, do your research and then, you know, give out the information that you think is, that you think is okay. You know what I'm saying? Because this is, this is dangerous. And the people are affected are people with, with asthma, like yep. um, there was somebody that had asthma that I know. Yeah. So I told somebody the other day that I know that I had asthma and I'm like, bro, like you, you, you have asthma. This is actually going to affect you more than anybody else, you know? And, you know, if you have, you have parents, you know, with, with health issues and stuff, you know, this is going to affect them more than it, it affect me. So you should be more mindful and, and take it more serious. But, you know, I, I, I just hope that a lot of people will take it more serious. will you know, do more, you know, social uh, distancing and, and do more stuff with, with the hygiene and everything. And, um, you know, make sure their hands is washed and, and everything like that, and uh, people. Well, you should have been doing that anyway. I get it, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should, but well, yeah, it takes some. It takes something to wake you up. Yeah, ex- exact, exactly, man. But we, we don't want nobody to wake up in the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? But now this is the key. Now this this is my perspective. Is that is, <clears throat> um, I fully understand and understand um, what they call social Darwinism, right? Like some people who I love, right, dearly, are going to be affected and are going to pass away. Whether yeah. it's for ignorance or just because they have other health issues. So it's like uh, share the information, educate people, but then understand that some people are just going to perish, right? Um, and that's just the nature of life, right? And right now we are in a very interesting time um, in, 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 in the evolution of, of life itself, not just human life, but life, period. You know, like there's always cycles of life. There's golden ages. There's ice age, you know, there's dark ages right now. We are entering, like, we've been in and we are getting deeper into a dark age, but it's going to get darker, right? Uh, we haven't seen the worst of anything yet. More people are going to die and eventually, right? Maybe not, maybe we won't hit the worst in our lifetime, but it's getting, it's getting worse. But perception is key because as it gets worse, right, it also gets better simultaneously. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's 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 what keeps me smiling, knowing that all is divine, man. You know, um, and it's just it's just part of the process, you know. And all we can do is, you know, those of us who care, you know, those of us who love humanity and want to move us all forward, is just do our part, do our part, keep learning. You know, um, I wanted to definitely touch on something you mentioned about people spreading misinformation or thinking it's a hoax. It's like again, part of it, I don't blame them, right? Because it's been it's been proven that the U.S. government has you know, um, um, committed acts of, you know, uh, biological warfare against their own people, you know, to see experiment, like it's been tons of, it's been tons of evidence. There is tons of evidence that shows the government with foul play. And so when people say, you know, when you hear, oh, this is a thing coming from the government, you're like, yeah, right. Bullshit. Or you think that it's just population control or you think that it's man-made or and my thing is this, whether it's man-made or not, whether it's you know government controlled and specifically to kill people or not, just the fact is that people are dying, right? And it is a and it is a real virus. Um, yes. that's that's my perspective. It's like regardless of why it was caused and how it started, we can talk about that later after we get people inside, right? Um, and so it's, it's again, you can't blame people for being, you know, like a days ago because how many false flags have we seen just in our lifetime? Right. Yeah. Y2K is going to kill us. This is going to kill us. This is going to happen. And if time comes, you're like, eh. And so it's like, now people, you know, how many times the boy cry wolf? After 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 a while, you're going to be like, ain't no wolf coming. Yeah, you're right. I, I I didn't really look at it like that. You know what I'm saying? 
a very interesting perspective that you're coming from. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I didn't really look at it like that. I was just more so of just like the hearing now and stuff. Of course, I know that. I know that you've seen my post on it and everything, yeah, that, you know. But you know, I'm, I'm more, I'm more so like coming from the hearing, the hearing now aspect of, of everything. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't think about it back then. Even though when people was bringing it up, I'm like, you know, I understand and I reason with them. You know what I'm saying? But I was also coming from like, hey man, we we need to, you know, really just lock in on this and, and, and take it serious. But I definitely, you know, understand and hear you, brother, from from your side where you're coming from. Yeah, man. You know, so it's like ultimately is is for me is just have compassion, even the people who don't know, even the people who are willfully right, like outside and engaging in human contact when we shouldn't be. It's just have compassion for them, man. And like, yo, like, like, because being mad does nothing, right? On a personal level, being mad at each other, saying, yo, come on, screaming at each other, yo, stay. It's not going to do anything. It's just going to make people rebel more, right? Because it's, again, human nature is what you, what you resist persists. So if we're fighting people, telling people to stay inside, right? And they don't have a clear understanding of what's happening, of course they're going to go outside. Like, you can't tell me to stay inside. I'm a grown-ass man. I'm a grown-ass woman. Who are you? Especially yeah, exactly. if nobody in their family or nobody they know has it. But what's going to change, right? What's going to make it real for a lot of people is when people that they know, when people who they went to school with, when people who they worked with start dying. That's gonna make it real for them. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a different type of experience, man. Yeah, man. So um, you know, to you, I send I definitely send, you know, um love, man, and healing vibes to you. Um, you know, for knowing people, you know, knowing people who um contracted this virus and, and transition. Um, it's not a joke. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was talking to um a friend of mine um that you know we both know him from Indianapolis. He was saying like, "Yo, Daniel, you know I thought this was a hoax, but it, it's hit different when when it's when it's so close to home and stuff." And you know he decided he said that he was going to uh, you know make make different changes and everything, and really just just hone in on how he he um he operates from here on out. You know, right. it's just crazy because this like in our time right here, you know what I mean? In our time, this. Yeah that we've never seen before never. you know this is this is this is wild ray you know well, it is but it's a it's a it's a it's, it's rebirth you know um even you know thinking like right now simultaneously in east africa the locusts are swarming and killing you know ravaging the the, the farms yes you know what I mean? so uh, food shortage I right um last year the fires in the amazon and the fires in you know uh i think california like the fires all over this is yeah. This is uh, a brother, brother. You might have seen him on social media, brother Danik, Danik Roper. Um, he's a Muslim brother, Nation of Islam, and um, he raps. Like, he's really, really good. Like, he's, like, fire, no profanity at all, right? Like, oh. fire. Like, a bunch of people have been resharing him over the last year or two. Um, he's been out for a while. But he said something to me a couple of years ago, maybe seven, eight, maybe nine years ago. We was in Brooklyn. Um, we was in his car, and we were talking, and I was frustrated with you know, the way things were going, you know, in society. Um, he gave the perfect analogy. It was a perfect analogy that I've never heard. I've never heard this analogy before, but when he said it, I fully understood it. He said, imagine a woman, right, being pregnant. Earth, Mother Earth is a woman. She's pregnant, right? Yeah. Now imagine as the woman gets closer to term, closer to delivering a baby, the pain becomes almost unbearable where you're ready to quit. The mother's ready to give up and I can't take this pain no more. And she's crying and screaming. But what happens is she continues to push, right? Continue to push and breathe 
eventually, soon enough, new life comes. And with new life comes, all the pain that she experienced was worth it. And it doesn't matter anymore. And that's, that's what the earth is doing. The earth is going through a rebirth, a regeneration, right? People, we are ascending. We are evolving. Our consciousness, we're getting, like, we are making the earth hot. Like, global warming, like, part of it, just because of us, like, internally. Like, yeah, the stuff that we're doing to the earth chemically and with the litter and stuff like that, but humans are evolving. You know, yeah. as we evolve, our energy rises. We become more conscious, more awake, more aware. The earth heats up, right? Um, and so that's how I look at what's happening right now. Um, it's just, again, it's part of a new, a new, a new life being born. So it's like, yeah, the end of times, not the end of humanity, the end of things as we know it. The medical system is falling. The financial system is falling. The educational system is falling. Like all these systems that we put so much in, that we invested so much time, energy, resources into over the last hundred years, they're crumbling right yeah. before our eyes. And if you ask me, it's a beautiful fucking thing, right? Okay. Not saying that the struggle is the challenge, but it's, it's, it's beauty and struggle, right? Meaning that if you can look objectively at it, knowing that I am one with the divine, I am one with God, I am one with nature, I am one with the universe, not separate, then everything that is happening is not happening to me to hurt me, but it is happening for me, right? Because yeah. can nature hurt herself? No. Does God hurt God's self? No. So everything that is done, again, if you know that you are one with this source, right, you are not separate from the source of life, then it is all moving you forward. And I always say, even if I perish, it is still for the full progression of the whole. It is all purposeful. All of it. Mm. You know, that's 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 my philosophy on life, man. And that's what, and that comes from not something I read, not something I heard, but literally from experience and trauma from a kid. My dad passed at 11. If my dad didn't pass at 11, I wouldn't have impacted millions of people all around the world with my message of overcoming trauma and tragedy and suffering, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely, so definitely. It's one of those things, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I want I want to get into that because you know, like like I said at the beginning of this podcast, man, we go way back, you know, yeah. like we go back. We, we we play ball together, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying? We play you dunk on me. You're the only person to ever dunk on me, player. <laughs> I, you, I remember that play vividly, man. Dunked him in Reese on a basket to the right. I think Jermaine, I think something happened. Jermaine got a steal and he was going yeah. to lay the ball up. And I was running on his to grab the rebound. You know what I mean? And you just came out of nowhere, your big self, and just took the ball out of my hand, over my head, dunked on me. Yeah, I humbly apologize, brother. Don't you know, apologize. It's competition. I love it. <laughs> no, but you know, like we, we all have our we all have past and stuff and you know like you was definitely you know in the streets hard you know what i'm saying like you was definitely in the streets hard you know um and you recently said that you you celebrated your 13th year of being yeah, free man, 13 years. i want to know like when you was going through what you was going through like what sparked the, this 180 because like you really you did something i only seen a few people do like i seen my my uh, brother Wally Artest, he did it when he came home. He yep. did almost a decade, and he came home, and then he didn't. He didn't go back, you know. Yep. And like, so what? What was the moment? Like, wh what made you hit your floor? Because you know, we always have. We all have a floor, you know. what I'm saying that we didn't. That we hit. We fall in life. Like me, to be honest, 
right now I'm dealing with, you know, the weight issues and stuff and just gaining weight. But I feel I, I haven't hit the floor yet to the point where, like, all right, cool, I need to make a change and turn around yet. You know what I'm saying? Even though I know it, I need to. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's, it's just like like when I, when an addict, you know, when, when they've been, you know, doing drugs and stuff and they really, you know, they have an experience where they hit the floor, like, all right, cool, they're going to change around and they clean themselves up. Mm -hmm. So, like, with you... What was your exact like your 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 moment when you, when you was like okay it's time it's time to make this change and, and turn around because right now what you what you what you've been through and 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 where you at now and you know I tell you this every time when I, when whenever you do something you know I'm always in, yeah, I'm always yeah, I'm grateful always messaging you, like, yo brother like yo what you're doing is so inspiring you're inspiring me yo you know what I'm saying so like what what was that moment for you um so. To be honest, I would have to go back, right? Because it was a moment that was built up. So yeah. I, again, my philosophy on life is that we are all born, right, um, with a specific purpose. And yeah. I think that each of us at very young ages know exactly what we're supposed to be doing. So at five years old, six years old, seeing Michael Jackson sing Heal the World, I knew I was supposed to be doing that. Right? I saw that and I was like, wow, I want to do that. And as yeah. I got older, you know, another two, three years, and I realized I couldn't sing and dance. I used to try to sing and dance, the Michael Jackson glove. I had all that shit. Um, <laughs> but I realized I couldn't sing, I couldn't dance. But it wasn't that that drew me to Mike. It was the fact that he used his words, right, his words to positively impact humanity. And that's what I wanted to do. So from a very young age, I wanted to do what I'm doing now. Right, like yeah. literally, like my, my grandfather in South Jamaica, Queens, because that's where my family is from, Southside, yeah. um, my granddad, has he's always you know Thanksgiving time like he did charity, giving giving turkeys out you know giving you know Christmas gifts toys to the other children on the block, so I get that from him. My dad my dad was a community guy as well. My dad take me out, he take my friends out, whoever's with me. He comes on the block to get me. My friends is there, Merrick or or or, or Rashim or it's a bunch of people. We, we all going out to the movies or the Sizzler, um. So literally like it was in me, and then even my dad passed. Um, at my dad's funeral is the first time, or maybe is, is the first time I remember meeting my older brother, one of my brothers on my dad's side, Leroy Jr. And yeah. um, three months later, this is 95, my dad passed August 95, three months later, I'll never forget. Um, October, two months later, October, October 95, my brother calls my house, right? My mother answers the phone, gives me the phone, and he says, Yo, pack up, we're going to DC, million man march. And I remember October 15th, 95, or whatever that date was, we went to the Man Man March. So again, this is in me, right? It's in me. Yeah. Now, again, my dad passed. Now, I got I got all of these things from my grandfather, how to take care of your community, from my father, how to treat all the children in the community as your children. My brother, as my dad passed, taking me to the Man Man March. But what happened was, um, all that stuff was happening at the same time. I was depressed. I was angry, right? Um, and so... I lashed out. I, I didn't know what to do. And I just had all this energy inside of me. And so it just, like, it happens to most of us, you know, um, without direction, without guidance. And even at that same time, I knew I wanted to do, again, I knew I wanted to use words to impact people. I knew I wanted to use words, not in rap or in a musical way, but I wanted to tell stories um, via film. I wanted to write yeah. films and TV shows. But there was no outlets out here. So what did I do? I just acted out. Or I was angry. I was depressed. I was sad. I was hurt. I was all of that stuff. Um, so that's what led me to the streets. But even when I was in the streets, you might not remember, I still went to school. Um, I got kicked out of high school, but I went and got my GED. I, I started college at 16 years old, right? Um, I was turning 17. I started Kingsborough Community College. I got my GED August 2000, and I started college December 2000. I started Kingsborough, and I turned 
17 that next March 2001. Um, but I used to still volunteer at the Reese. You know what I mean? We had the peer program. Um, I, 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 was, I was in the streets, but I was still, because I wanted more. I just didn't know what more was. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know. I had no direction. Plus, I was hurt. Um, so fast forward, it was in prison when I remembered my gift for writing. When now, there's no phone calls like that. I got to write letters. And now, yeah. letter, I'm writing stories about how my day is going. I'm, I'm, I'm writing, you know, fiction stories. Now, I'm just telling stories to my people who I'm communicating with. And I realized that I loved it. And then um, I think I was in Green Correction Facility or, or Oneida or one of them. And um, we had, it was like a, um, it was like a, um, like every, I think every day or every week we would be in a circle and like supposed to talk about our feelings or share parts of ourselves or some shit like that. But I would, I would recite poetry and some right. of the dudes was like, they respected it. And they would ask me, eventually some of them asked me to write poems for their children or to their children and, you know, to their girlfriends and to their friends. Like, and that's when I realized like, yo, this shit is a gift. So now I wrote a book in jail. I wrote a movie in jail. Um, but when I came home, I'm like, yo, I don't, like, who do I contact? How do I get started? I didn't know what to do. So I was yeah. lost for like a year. Um, and then I still don't know what to do. I just said, yo, listen, I got a voice and this shit is fucked up and what's going on in our community. And it was just, yo, speak out. Um, you know, but again, like the moment when I went from lost to found, I'm going to be honest, like when I, the first year I came home, I was still in the streets. Because again, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how. So I had a vision Right, but I had no roadmap. Um, so uh, yeah, I just knew I had to get money to buy equipment. That was that was that was the idea in my head. Make some money so you could buy some equipment. And I, I ended up buying a camera. I bought a green screen. I bought like I bought mass. I bought mad props. Like I, spent, yeah. I, I, I did it. I did what I said I was going to do. <laughs> Came home, made some money, saved some money, bought some equipment, and changed my life. Um, but the moment that when I when I left the drugs alone, I was sitting. I was on Forty First and Vernon, and I was sitting in an apartment. Um, it was a, it was it was a crack it was a crack house trap house, um, and I was sitting there. My friends had left, right? Uh, we had we were drinking some Hennessy and we were smoking and we were vibing. And everybody left, and I was sitting there, and a vision like just hit me like clear as day. It was a couple of visions actually. It was me dead in the streets and somebody knocking on my mother's door, crying. Your son is dead. Your son is dead. And her losing her freaking mind. Mm -hmm. Right? It was that vision. It was a vision of me killing someone in the streets and somebody telling my mother, your son's going to jail. He, was, he just shot somebody, right? And then it was the vision of me leaving all that alone and living a life that I dreamed of, traveling, you know, meeting beautiful women, raising beautiful children, like like being engulfed in a, in, in, in a real big world of excellence, right? Yeah. Mingling with politicians, mingling with celebrities. Like, that was the vision I had for myself because I knew yeah. that, like, I was that. Like, I had whatever that it factor was, that made people like that, that that illuminated people, made people gravitate towards others. I knew that I had that, that whatever Denzel had, I knew I had that, whatever Mike Jordan had, I knew I had that in me. I yeah. knew it from young. And so it was like, yo, make this change. And then my cousin Casual will always tell me, I never forget. Even when I was hustling casual, he never, he never treated me bad because I was in the streets. He always just pulled me up. Like he never tried to change me. He always said, Yo, listen, you know, if you take half this energy, you you, you know, you put it out here into the streets. And put it to something positive, you'll do some great things. And this, this day, it hit me, yo. If I just need half the energy, like I'm like, I don't need to know exactly how to do it. Just start, just start. And we and we we, we twelve years later, man. Twelve years later, we've been building community, man. Um, super super humble, 
one of the first uh, big time activists who, who who showed me the ropes, right? Who gave me a platform to speak and learn. Uh, Erica Ford from Jamaica, Queens. You know, she has um, Life Camp. I love my life. She does been doing massive work in the community, man, um, with major people, stuff with Deepak Chopra, Russell Simmons, like all types of shit, like, like, like big, powerful stuff that impacts the community. She brought me in, you know, um, connect with her on Twitter. Um, yeah. You know, I just start going with her and then just learning and just speaking. And then in Brooklyn, Jeffrey Davis, who is the, um, you know, longtime activist, man, community builder. His uh, brother was actually killed inside um, City Hall back in 2003, I believe. Mm. He was a councilman. He was councilman inside. He was assassinated inside City Hall. Um, so his his brother, you know, took me under his wing, man, and um, showed me some things, man, gave me a platform. I remember the first time uh, he called me. He was like, yo, man, we're doing a big, a big walk tomorrow, a big peace walk tomorrow, man. Come out to Brooklyn, man. I'm like, tomorrow's fucking... Uh, uh, um, um, the parade. What's the day parade? He's like, I know. Yeah. We leading the parade. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I'll never forget, man. I was on Eastern Parkway. Thousands of people on the side shouting. And we the only group of people walking down talking about love yourself, stop the violence, live in peace. Like, that was powerful. He gave me that platform. Gave me the bullhorn and everything, you know. Um, yeah. So grateful, you know. But it, ultimately, man, to answer your question, it was always in me. But it was a moment when I, it was an epiphany. It was like, yo, if you change, if you don't change, these are your results. You already experienced both of them minutely. I got shot, right? Didn't alter my life too bad. And I went to prison for three years. Didn't really, it wasn't a bad experience, right? Like it was bad as far as like the strip searching and like just missing family and just like not being free. That's bad. But I, you know, I wasn't getting bullied. I wasn't getting robbed. Like I didn't have that experience. Um, but it was enough, obviously, just being in prison, period, can find against your will. Um, but it was, yeah, if you keep going, dead or jail. In jail for a long time. And when you get next time you get shot, you're gonna get killed. It was that vision. And it was, yo, if you just make this one change, because it's not like you don't have it. It's not like you need to go back to school, learn to read. You don't need to do nothing. You just need to stop hustling and find something positive to do, and you'll be all right. You're educated, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you got it. You're not a dummy. And I had that conversation and I flushed my drugs and I sold my gun, man, and the rest is history. Yeah, and the rest of history. And then um you dropped uh yeah, Usha, you know, um the letters, man, the, the the book, man. So like that was dope. You know what I mean? When when I found out that you you know you writing that book and it just came out of nowhere. And <laughs> you just came out of nowhere that you just you just did it. You didn't you didn't make no fuss about it until it was just ready. Like that was dope. So what was that process like? What made you decide to write a book um to, to your daughter? Wow. Um so again, I've always been writing, you know, words have always been my thing, like in school, like it was language arts, you know what I mean? Um, that yeah. Used to impact the power of words. Um, and I've always wanted to write a book. You know, I think I was like nine or so when I told my dad I was going to write a book, right? And um, clearly he passed, you know, shortly after. And um, for a long time, I wasn't even thinking about writing. Like it was in my deep subconscious, but it wasn't something that I actively thought about. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, again, is is um, uh, greatness is born in, in, in tragedy, right? Like tragedy leads to triumph, right? Pain turns to power, right? Struggles yeah. turn to successes. And so um, 2017, um, so my daughter was born in 2016. Um, she was the 10th child that I actually created. You know, um, nine before her did not make it. You know, a couple of abortions, a couple of miscarriages, a um, couple of yeah. twins was miscarried and aborted. Um, and none of the abortions were like, were like my my doing like me saying it me suggesting you know having abortion it was always 
you know, the woman's choice, uh, which I was always upset about. But, um, you know, years later, we're all friends and I had to respect their, 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 their choice. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so when Usha was, when I found out my wife was pregnant, I was like, I was excited, but I was nervous because I was like, damn, like, I don't want to get too excited because, like, we just had two miscarriages the year before. Plus all yeah. the other ones and from prior relationships, I'm like, maybe I'm not meant to be a father, so I'm not going to get too excited. But as she grew and as time went on and as I heard the fucking faint heartbeat, when I heard two heartbeats, right, her heartbeat and her mother's heartbeat, it was like, whoa, this shit is real. And when I felt movement, it was like, whoa, I'm going to be a dad. And I wanted to write a book before she was born, but I was so overwhelmed with um, excitement, joy, um, suspense, right, like still not fully believing it, like until like she's born. Um but I had all of these thoughts about her and raising her and how she would be and you know what I mean? Like I had all these thoughts. Imagine I already had many thoughts of fatherhood. Um, just from when my dad passed, when I when, when I realized that yo, I want to be a dad. Because the only way to heal this pain, to mend this broken heart that has been caused by my dad's passing is for me to become a dad and fill it up with that love, that father-son love, that father-daughter love, parent child, right? Um so yeah, it was all of these thoughts, man. You know, when she came out, bro, it like I was right there. The doctor had left the room because they didn't believe that my wife was like they didn't believe Usha was coming. Like they was like, all right, you got a couple of minutes. Like not right now. Like she's not there yet. But I was like, no, yeah. she's coming. And so it was just me, my wife, and the doula. One of the two doulas was in the room. Um, shout out to Luna, who, who was one of our doulas. Um, powerful young sister, like twenty. I think she's twenty-one years old now. 22. So at the time she was like 18, 19, right? Like it was two 19 year olds, like oh, wow. doulas, black women from Brooklyn, powerful young sisters. <laughs> um, yes. Me and one of the doulas um, had, had her legs, right? And she's like, yo, she's coming. And I looked and she came out and like she came out by herself. <laughs> like it was, it was, wow. it was fascinating. Um, but at that moment, all the pain prior was worth it, right? Yeah. Um, so now bliss. So fast forward. Um, that was uh, um, November 2016. Fast forward, you know, I'm working for organization in uh, 2017, and um, <clears throat> I just like left my job. Like it was a lot of crazy stuff happening with the job. Um, it was a lot in my life. Uh, 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 that's when I first actually separated from my wife. You know, um, and so I was stressed. I was depressed. You know. Um, okay. My sister had passed the year before, 2016, right? Um, so I was still grieving my sister, right, who passed on the same day. Our older sister passed away, just 18 years apart, April 16th, wow. 98, and April 16th, 2016. Two mm. sisters, same mother, same father, back to back, right? Um, so that has had me fucked up. Um, but I lost my job. I'm struggling for money. I'm like, damn, like... And then again, another epiphany was like, yo, if I die tomorrow because of stress or whatever, like... What does my daughter have to build on? And I was like, she, yeah. has, she has nothing. I was like, I got a name, Sugar Ray. People know me, but then I was, I was real. I said, shit. People knew Malcolm X, right? His name was way bigger than mine. And when he was killed, when he passed, when he transitioned, his family struggled. How do I know? I heard from his daughter herself, one of his daughters, right? Like, so it was like, nah, like a name ain't nothing, and my name ain't even big enough. Like some people might, but some people they try to violate my daughter and know me, right? Like you go fuck in the hood. Um, yeah, and so it was like I need to do something, and it was like okay, I, I can't go buy a house right now, right? Like I can't leave a house to her right now. Like let's be realistic. It's like write a book. I need something that's going to 
grow, right, intellectually, that's, that's going to increase over time and that she's always going to be able to use to exchange for something else, right? And like as the, as, the, as, the, as, the, as the economic system changes drastically right now, maybe she won't be able to use the book for money, right? But maybe she'll be able to, you know, like because it was in the book, like help other people, like give counseling or whatever. But I wanted to create something that yeah. will outlive me that she can use to take care of herself. And it was like a book. And again, it was like, okay, what the fuck can I write about? I had started a bunch of books. I wrote a book in jail, um, you know, paper that I ended up getting lost. But it was like, what can I write about? Like, I'm, I'm dealing with so much. And it was like, okay, what can I write about consistently? Because I gave myself 30 days, right? Yeah. What can I write about consistently for 30 days that no matter what I'm feeling, I can still write. No matter if I'm stressed, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm afraid, I can still write. It was like, I can write two and for my daughter. And so that's, you know, um, that's the story of that, dear Usha, man. I, and I just put pen to paper. And again, remember, like, I was already thinking about the stuff. So a lot of it was already in my head. I just had to take it from my head and just put it on paper. So it was a real easy process. You know, um, I self-published. Um, that was an easy process. I had learned from, you know, my ex-wife and some other friends who I self-published. Um, and it was easy and it was dope. Um, and I'm grateful, man, for the support. Like, it's been, um, like, a lot of people supported dear Usha, man, like, like a lot of people, man. And I'm really, 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 really grateful for every person that purchased the book, man. Um, and um, actually, when she's five, I'm going to do Dear Usha Part Two, and it's going to be um, messages from your community, where I am having, I'm asking people, my friends, you know, um, people who know her or know of her, to write letters to her, right? Yeah. Write a letter, poem, or story to this child. You know, I'm going to give that to her for her fifth birthday, so that's uh, next year. Man, that's dope, man. But you be you be doing everything, you know. You got. I remember you started with the I love QB. You know, yeah, when you everybody to that man. I need I need help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know. Yeah, definitely. But we also, you know, the short film you did, brother to brother. Like you yeah. just a you know, a real content <laughs> all around dude. You know, you started up, you know, Queensbridge Studios and everything. Like, like what's what's next? You know what I mean for you? Like what's next? Um. Well, next is. I mean, it's like, honestly, right now, like, I can't even think about that because of, like, what's happening in the world. Yeah. Like, like, like literally, not because of fear or anything like that, but because of, like, um, I'm a problem solver, right? And so what's next is whatever is needed, right? Mm. Um, what I, what's next is whatever manifests. Now, clearly, I have plans, I have ideas, I have thoughts. Um, so I'm going to give you those, but I definitely want to put that out there because anything that I tell you right now is subject to change. Yeah. Not because I don't care, because I'm not serious, but because whatever my community needs, whether that's my Queensbridge community, whether that's black people, whether that's just humanity, period. Yeah. Like whatever my community needs, the community that I'm connected to, and if I can do it, I'm going to do it. And so if I'm, if I'm, if I tell you like, y'all working on this TV series, right? Which I wrote some episodes for a TV series, and I really want to do it. I really think it can be probably one of the best, uh, most impactful urban drama TV shows. In the history of TV, even more than The Wire, because it would mm. have a more positive. It would be street, urban, raw, gritty, but it's a deep, deep, deep message, and it's all the ending. The, the totality of it is is about unity and camaraderie and brotherhood and sisterhood, and right. Um, so I, I could tell you like that's what I want to do next. But if you know my community needs somebody to do more, more organizing or more. Um, like uh, more journalism, right? Traveling, taking photos, photojournalism around the world. Like I would do that. I would love to do photojournalism, travel the world, 
and all yeah. the crazy that's happening and take photos and write stories. That's my heart. I would love yeah. to do that. And I might do that if if I'm working on a if I'm working on a TV TV show right now, we directing. We got three days left to finish this shit. Pilot episode, a lot of money in it. And somebody comes listen tomorrow. We need you. Listen, I know this is happening. I would I would try to find somebody else to fill in. Yo, you finished directing this shit. I'm going over here to take these photos and get these stories. Right? Um yeah. however, right, I know I'm a little crazy. I go left and I go right. <laughs> but yeah. I, I give people a little glimpse into my crazy mind. Because uh, we all have crazy minds, but it's how you channel it. You know what I mean? And knowing yourself, knowing yourself is key. Um, but I am looking to run for city council next election, yeah. to 2021. Um, and I, I have to say this, right? Uh, I grew up not into politics, and I'm not mm-hmm. a politician, and I don't want to be a politician. However, I learned specifically with city council, right? Throughout, in our cities, the city council is directly responsible for the money, Right, the city budget, yep. the laws, the city laws, and land use. What happens with the land? Yeah, directly responsible for those things. And in our urban communities, those are our three biggest issues: is where the fuck is the money going? Right? Why the fuck? What are the laws? Right? And why are they the way they are? Right? What's happening with the land? How? Like, we don't got no property. We don't own nothing. We don't own nothing. Right? Um. So when I learned that, it was like, whoa. Okay. Like, you know, it's like when you know something, you can't go back to sleep. And so I was like, damn. Okay, so I asked people. I asked other people, like, yo, you want to run for city council? I help you. I help you. And nobody wanted to do it. And so I was like, damn. Okay, I mean, what do you do? If if, if I stay here in Queensbridge, if I stay here in New York and I'm in Queensbridge, you know, um, I can't be here knowing what I, because I'm going to complain about this and about, oh, they spend too much money over here. And so why complain when you could be part of it? Right? Yeah. Um, and so... Well, that's why that's why I made a decision to run for city office, um, and I think I have a pretty dope vision. You know, um, Queensbridge Studios is part of the vision. You know, um, that's independent film, TV, multimedia company. Um, you know, our own content, uh, uh, written content. You know, newspapers. You know, blogs, magazines, books. Yeah. Um, audio content, podcasting, radio shows. You know, um, our own. You know, creating commercials, our own commercials, our own talent, but also. For business, for local businesses, and, and even other people, right? Like I want Queen's Studios to be like a universal or something major, right? Um, that's owned, and operated by residents and people, stakeholders in Queensbridge. Um, with that, I also want to create. Uh, um, I think Queensbridge, Queensbridge is big enough to be its own town. Like I'm sure you've been places where it's towns that don't have as many people as Queensbridge. No. They have their own media, they have their own everything, own education system. So I want to create a school in Queensbridge. Like I think Queensbridge University should be a real thing. You know, yeah. um, it should be the school of sports and entertainment. Right? They have yeah. a lot of agriculture while we can't have sports and entertainment and then do it from a business entrepreneurial aspect, right? And wellness <laughs> aspect. Um you know so hold on, hold on. Let me let me keep going, please. Um, right, no, no worries. And how we do it is the Reese. The Reese, we build up on the Reese. Right, that's Queensbridge University. But what about the younger children? Okay, we go to the nursery. We build up on the nursery. That's Queensbridge Academy. So we have our own educational institution. And how much more united, how much more empowered would people be if the gym teacher was your neighbor, if your science teacher was your uncle? Is you know what I mean, like that's community. When you come outside and you go across the street to school, that breeds more respect. That breeds more respect not only for each other, but for community. You start to take care of the place where you spend the most time. You always spend time in your community and you're learning. Eventually, you're gonna be like, "Yo, this shit is fucked up. Like, we need to do better." 
you know. Um, and so, yeah, man, um, it's a lot. But what you was gonna say? No, no, no. I was just saying, like your your vision, your vision is dope. You know what I'm saying? And um, I always look at Queensbridge as a as a lamb, um, like like a land of magic. You know, like we have good good things like we have like you know harvard graduates we have like good actors i know we got an actor that played in total recall and stuff yeah, um we got judges like we yeah. got filmmakers exactly lawyers somebody that helped put um the man on the moon and stuff too as well you know somebody yeah. i read yeah, i read about that I, I read about that recently and i was like wow that's crazy somebody that you know that was in nasa where i helped put somebody on the moon i was like that's dope you know it's like we just need to tap into it again. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I kind of felt like, you know, Queensbridge fell fell to the wayside due to the fact of, you know, the funding's not there no more. You know, I grew up basically in the Reese playing basketball. I feel like if it wasn't for the Reese, I, I probably wouldn't have yeah. a basketball career or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, I always, I felt like Queensbridge is the reason why I had a basketball career. I was able to play Germany, Greece, and China, Mexico, you know, Puerto Rico. I played everywhere. Yeah was due to that you know uh, and what you're doing running you know wanting to run for city council and you know bring those resources back to the community that that we love because you know we, we we love queensbridge all the time and no matter where we go you know they know us you know what i'm saying like i remember i ran into somebody um that know about queensbridge right and the person didn't even say like yo daniel nothing like that you know he, gave, he's, he's, he made the sound you know the sound you know what it is like you know the call like you you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> like this it, is it's just so much magic here like you know there's like besides like everybody that i named as far as like you know the judges and you know the yeah. harvard graduates and the you know nasa person you know you got like you know my brother you know who played in the nba you know we got Vern fleming who played in the nba sean, sean green who played in the nba it's, it's just so much talent then look, we got Nas, mob deep we got capone from capone and oriega we got nature we got Cormega, yeah. you know look, what I'm saying? We, got, we got julie dash Ju- julie dash um, for her first film, Daughters of the Dust, I forgot yeah. what award she won. She was the first black filmmaker to win that award. That's listen. Right. How about this? We got world famous drummers. This dude, may he rest, may his soul rest. Nana Kimani Denizulu. He was a he was a Ghanaian chief, right? He lived in Queensbridge. Mr. Harvey knew him and his dad. His dad was Nana Yao Pari Denizulu. These are Ghanaian chiefs, right? Yeah. His wife Alice was the she started African dance. Here in America, with Asada Defora, and they started. Um, they were part of Alvin Ailey Dance School. They lived in Queensbridge. The first wow. through Kimari Denizulu, who I met right a couple years before he passed. He passed recently. Um, he said he he did he said in the interview that the first African parade, African American parade, was in Queensbridge Park. That's crazy, man. Right, like so much history. So and you much know what? Energy. Yeah, it is, it is great energy, and, and like I can even take it back to like to like boxing, like not that you know we had well we had one, one boxer that Lou Deval, right? But we used to have world championship fights, bro, in yeah. like right outside of Queensbridge. You know what I'm saying? Like right outside of Queensbridge, we had world championship fights, like Joe Lewis. You know what I'm saying? Like like back in those days. You know what I'm saying? And um, like it, it's just amazing the, the 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 magic that we live under, and um, I really appreciate you for wanting to you know bring bring that back because we, we really need it man we really need a voice because we didn't really have a voice in a long time somebody that could fight for us for our kids because you know you see it and i see and i see it when i went out there you know i i did um two back to school basketball camps in queensbridge the um, previous two years you know and i see it. It, it it's different and i know like it's more than sports i just feel i i just that's the only thing i know you know what i'm saying so i'm i, I try to give back to to um you know, as best as i can you know what i'm saying but 
really, really appreciate you, you know, for running for city council. And I, I really believe that once they get, once you get the support behind you, that I really think that you can make some noise and win it. And, no, and speak, I, I have no feel, doubt. I have no, I have no doubt in my mind or my heart yeah. that as long as I do my part, as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to yeah. win. Right. Um, I'm grateful that for the last 12 years I've been doing the work that I've been doing because essentially I've been campaigning. I've been in different parts of the neighborhood. I know different people in Long Island City, Astoria, Woodside, Sunnyside, right? The areas that you know this district is um, that support me, that have always yeah. supported me, and that have always said, like, yo, you should do something like this. And so um, I'm grateful, but I wanted to, you mentioned something, you mentioned it a couple of times, and I wanted to touch it because um, you mentioned bringing the funding back. And this is, this is, this is, I have, it's, it's truth, it is reality, right? So I'm going to share it. Um, I think we should depend less on government funding, meaning that be independent, right? Yeah, there is funds in the government for certain things, but let, we are our own city, right? We could fund ourselves if, if you, if everybody who we know, right, that came from Queens, forget the people that just live here now. People that came from Queensbridge last 70 years that are still alive gave $1 a month, right? $1 a month. We would have enough money to do so much. Like, like just think if 100,000 people gave a dollar a month, $100,000 a month, you can, you can start some companies with that. You can, start, you can change some lives with that, prepare some future with that. Definitely. You definitely can. Right? And that's just a dollar a month from 100,000 people. We got people like Hank Carter, got a hospital, hospital yeah. tools. Right, you got your brother who knows mad people. Forget your own personal money. The the network, right? Yeah. So if we say we want to do a school, if we say we want to start Queensbridge Gardens, if we say we want to whatever we want to do, we should be able to fund it ourselves. Literally a dollar a month. Just massive people. Numbers is power in numbers. And so You're yeah, right. okay, that's 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 a hundred thousand people. hundred thousand people. As I as I as I as I grow and mature and look, hundred thousand people is not a lot of people. No. It's not like yeah, it's a lot when you don't know a thousand yeah, right? It seems like a lot when you started, but when you connect with people, if I, I connect with you and you connect with some of your friends and some of your friends connect with some of their friends, before you know it, you got five thousand people, you got five thousand people, you got ten thousand, you got ten thousand, you got twenty, you got twenty thousand, you got fifty thousand, you got fifty thousand, you get to a hundred thousand like that. Because each of those fifty thousand just need to get two people. You're right. Right. And so it's it's um I forgot what Einstein called it, um compound interest. Yeah. So that's how we can really build for us independently, right? And truly change the dynamic of the community because funding from the government is not going to really, it'll help definitely, right? Obviously, finances help, but it's always attached to something. So we yeah. can build independently, right? Um, like I started learning recently about uh, resident management corporations. Um, you know, there's a whole NYCHA thing all around the country. You know, not so much NYCHA, but, but public housing thing all around the country. Um, you know, they want to do right. They want to privatize. They want to get rid of public housing. And I learned just a couple of weeks ago that in 1962 in St. Louis, they started with the first public housing complex that actually um, legally created a resident management corporation and they became the management company. Mm. Tenants became their own management company. They dealt with the rent. They dealt with the repairs. They got the money from the federal government. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Right? We yeah. can do that. And so, yeah, I'm running for city council to represent the district. Right, but my, my whole purpose of running for city council was to empower each community. Like you guys should be independent, right? And you should have your own represent your own community representative. So yeah, there can be someone who represents the district, 
but they also and it is right that's the whole you know tenant association thing it's supposed to be but it's not run properly because the structure of it is not accurate yeah right um so you know i just i just want to empower man empower communities empower individuals man to have their to power to empower individuals and groups of people to have their communities right their neighborhoods reflect their personal values right there's a lot of muslims in queensbridge why is there no mosque in queensbridge yo bro you just hit man right? that yeah facts right like, that's an amazing question Right, like that's how I think. So it's not about me; it's truly about we. Like my whole life is about we. Like I just want to tell stories. That's me. I just want to write books. I want to make movies. I want to tell stories. I want to laugh. I want to eat good food and talk junk. Yeah, right? <laughs> but it's bigger than me. And so, like on my journey, right? I, I, because I know that in order to get where I want to go, is my destiny is greater than me. Mm. Right. Um. And so, yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm a run. Um. You know, with every intention to win um, and to do one term, right? And in that one term, groom somebody, you know, bring somebody along with me. And so, yo, you run, take over. I want to go back and make movies full time. Yeah, All exactly. I want to do is get paid to tell stories, bro. Yeah, I feel you on that. So, um, let's talk about you know, you decided to do podcasting as well. You got the Sugar yeah. Radio, yes. you know, very very dope. So I always tune in mm. and stuff. I know you haven't done an episode in a minute. Last time you did that was over a month. We gotta you gotta get back on it, but I really I really love like your um your interview process and how how you have you have a lot of positive people on and stuff you know what I'm saying and it kind of like you know um it, it was a, I can say like three people got me into podcasts and that's one of my friends name is Andrew Salop and you know I did I watch like you know some some other sports people like a, a guy named Bill Simmons he owns his own own podcast network called The Ringer which he sold for two hundred million dollars recently wow. you know nice. so goals and you wow. and that's and that's why I wanted to to do podcasting. You know what I mean? Like, I do a lot of sports, obviously, but I always wanted to talk about stuff like this, what we're talking about today. And, you know, I really just appreciate you giving me, you know, of course, I have the platform right now, but that you you join the platform, we can actually talk about things. You know, it, it really means a lot. So, like, you know, let's talk about, you know, the Sugar Ray show and, you know, and, and what else you have, you know, you, you have planned for that. Yo, man, I told you, man, I just want to talk to people. Like, I just so the Sugar Ray show literally... It's from that, like me, just my love of talking to people and like asking questions, like why do you do what you do? Why are you how you are? How does this affect you? How do you think about that? Um, but it, Sugar Ray Show actually started back in 2010. 2010, mm. I had a blog talk radio show. You know, I was dealing with some people from um, from Ohio. Um, it is what it is, entertainment, and they um, they're like, yo, you know, we, we were Facebook friends, me and the president and CEO, two black women. And they're like, yo, like, you know, you be engaging mad people. Like, you, you ever thought about doing a radio show? I said, of course I thought about doing a radio show. They're like, yo, um, we got a blog talk spot and we got an open day. Like, you, you want to do a show? And I was like, bet. And so we did it for, I think, six months. Um, I think we did like 15, 20 episodes. Um, mm. And uh, it was dope. It was dope. We talked about love and relationships and parenting and education. Talked about a lot. You know, um, I talked to parents who lost their children to violence and suicide and it was an it was an amazing experience, um, and you know we parted ways, um, and I always wanted to do it. Um, again, I, I love talking to people. I love, um, I, just, I mean, I really love speaking to people and like human emotion. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, and so I've always wanted to do like 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 Oprah. Like I watched Oprah, and I was like, yo, I want to have that impact because I want to create a big media outlet by talking to people, and then use my celebrity from that, and use my resources, my funds from that to do my philanthropy, to build schools and build hospitals and build clinics and 
take children from one part of the world to the next and just just build community. You Man. Know? Um, and so the Sugar Ray show, I, I always wanted to do it back, right? I always wanted to do, again, video though, like an actual video um, talk show, live and pre-recorded. Um, okay. But um, I was, and I tried, I tried it. I met with different people at different locations and I tried it, but it never, it never, it never flowed right. Yeah. Um, but, um, so yeah, so I always wanted to do that. And so it was like, you know what? Um, when I found out about Anchor, like, you know, two years ago, um, I started the Black Men Working show. Like, I have another podcast, Black Men Working, you know, where I talk, where I started talking specifically to black men about their work, right? Whether yeah. it was a, you know, athlete, whether it was a, you know, um, 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 I spoke to my friend Javon, who had a bread delivery business. I spoke to my friend James, who is um, high up in TSA, you know, um, so just black men about their work. Why do you do what you do? How'd you get into it? What are the pros and cons? And just talk about all of their work. Um, but again, the sugar ratio was more like I want to talk to everybody. Like I want to talk to women. I want to talk to white people about stuff. I want to talk to everybody about everything. And so that's that's more my show that reflects me. Where I also not just want to talk to people. I want to have my own segment, my own space where I can I can just talk about, you know, I can share my thoughts on what's yeah. going on in society and how I feel about certain things. So how can I combine these two things? Where again, I talk to I, I'm interviewing people, but I'm also sharing my own personal thoughts and reflections. It's like yeah, yeah sugar ratio. Effort. Let's start it now. Um, Let's start it. <laughs> and, and I started it, you know. Um, and I need to be more consistent, you know, with it. I want to do more. I, I want to get you on the Sugar Ray show and talk about your basketball career and some of your ups and downs and some of the things that you've struggled with personally, specifically as a black man. Um, you know, um, again, I think you got a pretty powerful story and you've impacted tons of people. So I think that as you share more of your story and commit more, uh, commit more to your work. Um, you're going to continue to impact people in 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 relation um, or in unison with transforming your own life and living your dreams. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, so yeah, the Sugar Ray Show, man. I just want to build it, man. You know, I want to build it more. I want to do it. Um, ideally, I want to do a once a week um, video, right? Um, interview, and then yeah. I want to do um, five days a week audio, five days a week podcasting. You know, just audio podcasting, and one day a week. Um, so I want to do the Sugar Ray Show six days, and then one day a week is video. Yeah, that's what's up, man. We have we have an hour, you know, one hour video show. Um, so that's that's my vision for that ultimately, man. And then, you know, Sugar Ray Show is obviously produced by Queensbridge Studios. I want a studio in New York. I want a studio, um, uh, you know, New York, South, you know, uh, Florida or Atlanta, um, West California. Um, I want a studio in the Caribbean, you know, and I want a studio in you know various parts of Africa. Again, ultimately, um, not just for me. Again, I love telling stories, but to 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 help us take control of our media and of our stories. Yeah. Right? Um, so I want to build these different studios, not so that I can no like change the name if you want. Like it'd be something else. Like like I mean, I want my own. It might my, my could be small, it could be a little small office, sugar ratio, but build yeah. something bigger. Interview your people. Talk to your people. Get the stories of the of the young girl who ain't miss a day of school in fifteen years. Exactly. You know, from from first grade through college, miss no day of school. Like get that story. Get the story of the lady. You know what I mean? Who been working in the same town, same village, doing education for peanuts for thirty years. Get that story. You know. Um, so yeah, man. That's it's pretty much you know. 
<laughs> that's pretty much the vibe, man, and what I'm striving for and working on and working at. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that you're gonna achieve everything, you know, um, because you put it out in the open what you want to do. And I always feel like when once you put something out in the open, the world conspires you, achieving that goal. So I, I really believe that you're gonna make it happen. You know what I'm saying? I remember um one thing that you touched on before when you was when you was talking about Queen's Studios that you wanted to go. But like we've never been in Silver Cup Studios. You know what never. I'm saying? I never. say that often. We've never been to Silver Cup Studios. Actually, I found out Harvey, right, Robert Harvey. He said yeah. he got a five dollar, five hundred dollar contribution from them in the eighties, and that was it. That was the only contact. That was the only thing that they've ever given, you know, or done for any organization or Queensbridge. For those that don't know what Silver Cup Studio is, pretty much every major movie back in the day was 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 in there. You know, it was pretty much made yeah. in Silver, Silver Cup. Silver Cup is the largest production studio in the Northeast. Crazy. And they right across the street from Queensbridge, and nobody from Queensbridge works there. I don't know nobody from Queensbridge who's been in there. Right, yeah. um, and and we should, and, and and that's something I intend to do. Um, I think about it, like I, I think about you know what, let's go in and meet, and then I'm like, no, just build our own. Like, build so I, I fight with that, like go in and meet and ask, and um, because while I'm building my own, it will still be nice to have some film classes, and you know, um, so that's and again, that's why teamwork is important because I might not want to do it, but if the team says, you know what, it's the right decision or it's the best decision to move us forward, then I say let's do it. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I wanted to get into um podcasting myself because you know sports media sometimes they create they create the wrong narrative, you know what I'm saying? And then everything is no longer about actually learning about the sport, everything is just about the, the drama and the hoopla, you know, around it and stuff. So I just wanted to give my perspective, stay away from that, you know, nonsense and just you know, have the listener come back that they learn something for the day. You know what I'm saying? I always feel like you need to learn something every day, something new every day, you know. And um, that's that's why I decided to get into podcasting. And I, I feel like it's doing well. How how is you know podcasting you know is, is um is doing for you? You know, well, I mean, it's it's great. Um, again, I just need to be more consistent. But, yeah, um, you know, people people really enjoy my interviews. People really enjoy my podcast. Um, Black men working. Um, I have some sponsorships. I made a couple of dollars doing the Black men working podcast. I haven't made any money with the Sugar Ray Show yet. Um, again, because I haven't been really consistent at all. Um, yeah. for black men working, I made a couple of dollars, man. You know, um, I had a couple of sponsors, so it, it was great to like literally get paid to talk to people, exactly, like, virtually, like online. Like I, I don't gotta leave nowhere, I, like on the phone. Exactly, exactly. That's money. Dope. So that was dope. That was real dope. Um, yeah. So I mean, podcasting has been for me what I've been to podcasting inconsistent. <laughs> Overall, <laughs> it's been great. Like, like truly, like life gives you what you give life. You know, like I'm learning that more and more. Like. People wonder why, oh, life is playing games. No, you playing games. Oh, <laughs> exactly. life, is, life is hard. No, your perception is hard. No, oh, life. No, no, life is life. And yeah, it happens. And yeah, there are things that happen that may cause you pain. That's life. It's your perception. It's your relation to that thing, right? Um, your belief, like, like what you hold, the thoughts that you hold surrounding that thing that causes, uh, you know, pain or, or not, or, right? Um, so, yeah, so podcasting, podcasting, or podcasting is something that I am, um, I want to, I, I want to do more, man. I want to do five, six days a week, man. I want to be podcasting. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely, man. You'll be more consistent, man. But yeah, brother, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. And then, you know, I want you to let everybody know how they can reach you, like your social media and stuff. So, cause people need to hear you. And, um, you know, I, I, I have a pretty good, uh, following and stuff. And, and I really want everybody to get to know this brother. 
you know, follow him, support him, support everything that he's doing, man. You know, I've known this dude for about 25 years. Man, we go way back. So way back. Let everybody know how they can reach you on social media. Oh man, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that plug, man. Um uh, Instagram is Sugar Ray4506. That's S-U-G-A-R-A-Y 4506. Um Facebook is Sugar Ray. That's S-U-G-A space R-A-Y. Twitter is also Sugar Ray4506. S-U-G-A R-A-Y 4506, man. Um you like, you know, you do got a pretty good following, man. And like I really love how, again, because you've been consistent, you've been able to grow this thing, man. Um, and I'm extremely proud of you, and I'm extremely grateful, humbled, honored, and privileged to be on your show, you know. Um, and so, yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for the opportunity to 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 share life, right, to share life with your audience. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem, man. And that's the end of the show. You know, I want to thank Sugar Ray for coming on. And y'all know y'all can reach me on social media. I'm at Twitter and Instagram, at Daniel H.S. Pod. I got the Facebook group. You can just search it. The Daniel Artest Podcast, working on the website, um, you know, I'm almost done with it and definitely will drop that, you know, once it's released and um, just going to have a lot of content on there, a lot of content, I, a lot of shows that I'm not going to actually put on any podcast. It's going to be special just for the website and stuff. And uh, man, Sugar Ray, thanks for coming on to the show, brother. Salute. Peace. Yeah. Peace out, man. I will speak to you soon, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then um, you dropped uh, 